Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Eric Devin and Rich Allen. It's the first international break, and our first taste of the UEFA Nations League. And while some people can't wrap their heads around it, France are finding their way as the current world champions. But did they shine, or did they stutter in their first chance after their crowning glory? We'll find out after the news. France managed the well played Germany on Saturday evening. It was their first game for the Nations Cup and they drew nil nil, with Alphonse Ariola being the only change from that starting lineup from the World Cup. But the Paris Saint Germain goalkeeper walked away with the Man of the Match trophy. In tonight's game, uh, the French have won eventually 2-1 against the Netherlands. It went ahead through Kylian Mbappe, only to be pegged back after half-time by Ryan Babel, with old reliable Olivier Giroud popping up with the winner to see them go provisionally top of the group. In Ligue 1 news, there is a new man at the helm at Bordeaux, and it's their former coach, Ricardo, joining Um it's having Patrick Colette as his uh, assistant coach after some years away from French football. He has returned to help with new owners who are provisionally, according to French TV at least, as saying that they will have around 80 million in terms of investment into the club should that deal go through sometime later this month. Elsewhere in Liga news, uh, Kylian Mbappe has been given a three-match suspension after his red card against Nîmes. The LFP's deliberate the disciplinary commission has decided that the French star needed a three-match sit-down after his incident with Tiji Savanier in that 4-2 victory. And finally, in some retirement news, at least anyway, um, Lille captain and former um, Coupe de France winner with Bordeaux as well, Rio Mavuba, has called time on his playing career. The 34-year-old has been with a number of Lyon clubs, including Bordeaux and a French international leaves a big CV behind him. And that's all for your news. But for all the latest, head on over to our website at www.forgetfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with those games for Les Bleus and one win and one draw to start off their Nations League campaign as they look to head to the finals that will be played in the summer. Uh, Eric, we'll start with that game against Germany first because that was a bit more of a, well, at least some may say, a, a war of attrition. It, a lot of the uh, the play was for Deutschland, really. But in the end, it it was a decent result against a, a strong side. And the real positive is that with Hugo Lloris and Steve Mandanda currently injured, Alphonse Ariola really showed what he can do between the sticks. Yeah, he's a player that we've definitely seen a lot from. I think that... You know, it worried me when PSG brought in Gigi Buffon uh, from a standpoint of how that could affect Ariel's development. I think that he'd really come on leaps and bounds last year and establishing himself as that first choice keeper, playing some really fine matches down the back end of the season, uh, and play, putting on a couple good displays in the Champions League as well. Uh, you know, it, it for the national team, obviously, having Hugo Lloris and Esteban Danda still in the prime of their careers, his opportunities were always going to be limited, but... He seems to have taken this with both hands. You know, I fully expect that Larissa, as soon as he is fit, will continue to captain this team at least through the next year, European Championship cycle. But I think I'm 
a lot less nervous about depth in terms of Francis goalkeeping, particularly as we as we look to the World Cup 2022 and beyond, where Lloris may cease to become involved at, at that point in time. But yeah, I, and I, I think to the match overall as well, I think that this is a clean sheet for France. That I mean, they did well in the World Cup, but it, it wasn't exactly done with uh, a series of one no wins. They 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 tended to concede, you know, a fair amount of goals. You know, thinking about that Argentina match, even the final as well. And I, I think to see them be able to buckle down and show perhaps a different side of themselves tactically, not necessarily be negative, but control the match even without. Uh, without having much possession, and, and to really limit uh, Germany from having a bevy of quality chances. Again, Ariel did have to make some fine saves, but uh, I think that we see statistics so Germany has X amount more shots, X amount. Well, it 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 really didn't seem that France were at sixes and sevens against Germany. It, it seemed to be they were playing with a solidity. But I think we didn't really see as much during that World Cup run, and I think this continue, can continue to be the next evolution for this side. Uh, as they decide to sort out uh, how this team is, is going to look going forward. Yeah, and the evolution will sort of come on to in a little bit. That's a little preview to what we're going to discuss a little later. But Rich, what did you think to that opening game? I mean, it was obviously the start of this new Nations League, which we may talk about a little bit later, at least anyway, in terms of it being, you know, a competitive game against a strong side as well. Um, but at at the same time, were you a little bit disappointed that France didn't really hit top gear against a team that we know can be really good, but had a, a really poor World Cup and obviously have the same scenarios that France have at the moment? It, do you feel that, that France maybe didn't quite put as as better performances as they may have, maybe should have, and it was maybe a bit more of a um, almost a victory lap after the World Cup? A victory lap, maybe. I don't, I don't think France played particularly badly. Um, I think this was always going to be a tricky game for France for two reasons. First, obviously, it's the first game post-World Cup. Um, and I think I read somewhere you have to go back to, I think, Brazil in 94 for the last time a, a team won the World Cup and then won their won their next game. So there's always a little bit of a, a hangover, I suppose. And, and two, they were obviously away at Germany, who, as you said, has had such an awful tournament, needed to put in some kind of performance to to sort of stop that rot. Um, carrying on post World Cup, so I think it was it was going to be a tricky game, and it proved to be a tricky game. Um, as I say, I don't think France played played particularly badly. I think Germany had a little bit more urgency about them, perhaps a little bit more creativity. Um, Ariola obviously had a fantastic game. I think there were, um, I think there was the Ginter header, wasn't there? That was a, a really good diving one hand save, and there was certainly a couple of others that that stood out and. I think Opta post-match tweeted out that I think he made six six saves or something like that, that that no other French goalkeeper had done in the last 10 years. So, you know, as debuts go, it was probably as impressive as you could get. Um, but, yeah, I think it was just a little bit of, of post-World Cup rustiness. Um, absolutely nothing to be worried about. I think it's probably perfectly normal for this kind of performance. There was, there was nothing there that, that worried me. Um, you know, same players that that didn't that didn't let us down in the World Cup. You know, why not stick with them? They're all of an age where they can continue. Maybe one or two um, exceptions to that, but um, you know, all in all, it was it was an okay performance. It's not something that's going to 
set the world alight, but you know, they didn't really need to set the world alight. They did that in the summer. Yeah, exactly. I think they might be able to boast for that for what three and a half more years to come, at least. Anyway, maybe even slightly <laughs> more with the the calendar change, at least. Anyway, but on to events tonight, really. And Eric, they may be a little bit disappointed that uh, uh, what has been a subpar Netherlands team over the last couple of years pegged them back. But at the same time, the important thing, at least from a tournament point of view, was the three points against the the perceived weaker team in this three-man group. Will they be happy that they at least got the result they wanted tonight? Yeah, I think certainly still some questions, though. I think for as sound as that defense had been against Germany, I think that there were certainly a lot more questions to be asked, uh, particularly Benjamin Mendy, you know, getting uh, getting beaten for for the Dutch goal. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that a more clinical side would have really had their way with France, and I, I think that it was re- really frustrating to see see that develop. And I also didn't really see uh, as much as I would have liked from the midfield uh, this evening. I think Pogba was decent, but perhaps was playing a little bit too far to the left, really not fostering that relationship with Mbappe like we've seen him do. Uh, Conte, not the best match either. Um, I, I think Genie and Aldum had a, a handful of good runs and looked and looked really a, a bustling presence in that midfield. I would have liked to see a little bit more from Conte to limit him. So overall, I, I think not as strong of a match as, as they had played against Germany. But again, like you say, a win's a win. This is a competitive fixture. Uh, and even as the Netherlands sort of try to retool with a very, very young team, uh, save a few figures here and there, I think to have that win at home, and as the players have said in the a- aftermath, uh, that they they really felt the energy of the crowd. They really felt uh, proud to, you know, be bringing the tro- the World Cup trophy back to back to France and to sort of bask in that. Uh, so even if this isn't strictly speaking a validator- validatory performance from France, I th- I still think it shows good character, good grit, determination, and you know, two very well worked goals. Also, I, th- I think we shouldn't. Uh, be remiss in mentioning that that and that the the key elements in Blaise Matuidi and Olivier Giroud are, are also two players who, going back two years ago, maybe a lot a lot of people maybe would not have thought would have had much of a future in this France team. But you know, as you rightly say, they look set to be continuing on to the next cycle and uh, continue to play at a high level, even if uh, perhaps their their time for their clubs in Giroud's case, at least, uh, has does look to be a little bit limited at this point in time. And that's the interesting point about this, that Giroud was really the saviour on this one, Rich. Someone may point to the fact that they didn't really, again, didn't really rotate much even to try a couple of different players out against a, a team they were much more favoured in, at least anyway. They're, they're going to be favourites for every game now, being world champions, but much more favoured in. Was it strange for them not to rotate a little bit and also um, onto Giroud himself? Was it? It's nice to see him get a goal as well, with with uh, even the fans still saying that we love him, but he, he can sort of maybe be a little bit lacklustre on occasion. Well, I mean, I can see why there wasn't a rotation. It's obviously the first game back in front of the French crowd. They wanted to give them that, um, you know, that, that sort of on... Um, I fully expect to be, see a little bit of rotation at the next the next international break. I think it's in October. Um, I think where um, there's no Nations League game for France. It's certainly the first game there isn't. The first round of those fixtures there isn't. Um, I mean, it, you know, I, I perhaps would have liked to have seen some substitutions made a little bit, but maybe that's 
that's showing you that this Nations League, this Nations Cup is working. You know, it's ultimately, it's a competitive fixture. And and I think we saw from Deschamps that he treated it as such. Um, you know, they were substitutions that we have seen him make before. Um, and we saw him make it at the, at the World Cup. So, you know, at least there's a, some respect for this this competition. And and it's not just being treated as some glorified friendly. So I think that's, that's quite positive for the tournament as a whole. Um Again, it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a fantastic performance from France. They they did enough. Um, you know, it was great to see Giroud get that goal. He was just starting to think, get a little bit of of um, additional criticism over and above what he unfortunately normally gets with that drought and obviously people bringing up the the B word Benzema and 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 would he break that uh, that unwanted record that Benzema carries? I think it's just over a thousand minutes. Well. He didn't. Um, he got his goal, took it very, very well. Um, you know, it was an excellent cross from Mendy. Really good, fierce first-time volleyed finish from Giroud. A little bit fortunate, I think, on the goalkeeping. It wasn't It wasn't an overly strong parry from from Sillison. It was a, a little bit weak. But then I think Ariola, to, to be fair to him, I think looking back on the, on the Dutch goal, I think he'll be a little bit disappointed to have conceded that. Again, that was quite a weak parry. And on another day, maybe in the Germany game, had that effort come in, he'd have probably um, turned that round the post. Um, but it was, you know, it was it was positive. I think things that we can take from it, you know, Mendy is a continued threat and and he is back from that injury. Um, I still don't think he's necessarily doing enough to force himself into um, the starting eleven. I think Hernandez just offers that a little bit more in defence. Um, I think the Mendy, I think as we saw, as, as Eric pointed out, he got caught out for the Dutch goal and, and Kenny Tete just, he was, Mendy just lost him um, for, for the cross that led to the goal. Um, I'd Yeah, I, I'd quite like to have seen a little bit more from the midfield. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's, it's two win, uh, sorry, two games, one win, one draw, undefeated. Uh, one of those away at Germany, I'd take that. Um, and but there's there's you know there's enough there to to take forward and ultimately that's what Deschamps will continue to want is to continue not to not to dwell on that they've had you know they've had the the, the remaining part of summer and the start of the season to to sort of uh, have that success but they don't necessarily want to dwell on it too much they want to continue pushing forward so that you know in two years time they can be competitive at, at the uh, European Championships. And then ultimately can then go on and, and look for a successful defence in 2022. So, um, you know, ultimately we can't complain. Um, but you know, I know Deschamps, knowing Deschamps, he's he's quite that perfectionist, and he'll have he'll have taken far more notes to to take forward. I think, and plenty of notes that should focus on how this squad will try to evolve a little bit at least. Anyway, it's always the the difficult thing, Eric. After um, someone's won a World Cup, it is evolution now obviously the the squad call-up that they've done for this set of fixtures at least has sort of been a, a congratulations to those players that that did do well so well in the world cup other than obviously um people missing through injury we know benjamin lecomte obviously got a call-up as well which was nice to see for himself but how do you think this squad needs to evolve now there's a lot of youth in that team so there, there's a lot of places that will already be cemented but maybe a couple rotating out maybe for example those in their 30s and maybe thinking um blaze matuidi and the likes for this squad heading into the european championships in two years time 
what are we looking towards as players that are moving out and players that will be pushing for for squad berths or even starting berths? I, I think the the biggest change I think I think is a solid replacement for Adil Rami. Whether that's Kashelny coming back to fitness again, I, that's a question. His age, I believe, he's thirty three at the end of the year. Uh, or whether it's a younger player like like a Kurt Zuma, perhaps, uh, I think remains to be seen. But I, th- I think that's a, I think it, I don't think Adil Rami has a place. I mean, we saw how poor he was against Monaco last weekend. Uh, I think that that's just you know you know I know Deschamps has his loyalties, and I know he prefers right footed and left footed players. But that's not a player who has a place for me. Um, Blaise Matuidi, you know, I I know he's not a kid anymore, but I think playing his club football in Italy is going to help him. I think we we know naturally that Italy is a little bit slower paced, and we've seen players sort of sustain a high level of play uh, into their mid-30s playing there. We can think about Danny Alves uh, and the level of play that he was, uh, he was at. Um, Playing for Juventus, getting them to to Champions League final in, in 2017, uh, for example, and I, I, there's other examples to be had clearly. But I, I think that he's someone I'd like to con- continue to be in the team. I mean, we're thinking about constructing a squad, so I know that there are perhaps more eye-catching talents uh, out and about. But I think that Matuidi's ability to play as part of a midfield too, play wide on the left, to you know still be able to cover a lot of ground to give uh, other more creative players a bit more freedom uh, is, is a really indispensable part of the squad. He's not a player who, he's a player for whom I've not had a lot of time at various points in his career, but I think his performances last summer have really personally improved his standing for me. I think other players, I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle a little bit with Florian Tovan's inclusion. I that's not for anything he's done for Marseille. I, I think he's been excellent, continues to be excellent, but it's pretty clear to me that tactically he is not a good fit. And if I'm going to have an option as a wide player, you know, I would maybe rather have uh, someone like, uh, well, maybe Lacazette, maybe Anthony Marshall. Maybe look to someone on the under twenty ones. I think if we, if you know, you have someone like Martin Terrier, for example, at Leon has a strong season. His scoring record for the under twenty ones is pretty strong, uh, seven and seven. Uh, he's a player that could deserve it. Musa Dembele is going to be given a big stage with Leon again. This is not me being a Leon homer. It's just saying uh, there are a lot of younger, more versatile attackers. I, I think that could perhaps take Tovan's place uh, in that twenty three. It's an interesting question, really, Rich, because when you're coming off a World Cup, it feels like you don't really want to change anyone. But at the same time, that might have been the sort of accident that sort of bit Germany in the end and has bit many other teams that have tried to establish sort of a dominance on a, on a, on a global field, at least anyway, even for the, for the next European Championship. So I, I do want to focus on one place that Eric mentioned there, and that's Adil Rami. Obviously, there's also a worry for Laurent Koscielny and his sort of long-standing future as a French international. So there is a bit of a hole there, even if it is potentially behind um, Umtiti and Varane, given their performances at the World Cup and, and their standing and their, <laughs> their rage as well. Who's the one that's maybe going to fill that hole as the next man up if one of those two are, are out? Is there anyone in the under-21s or anyone that's sort of floating around the squad at the moment that you feel will be strong enough to, to fill that position? 
Well, I think it's quite curious. Deschamps has always been one to advocate the use of, for his four centre-backs, he wants two left-footed centre-backs, two right-footed centre-backs. And that's probably the reason why Rami was called up to the World Cup squad ahead of the likes of, of Clement Longley, again, uh, ahead of the likes of, of Laporte. Um, if if Deschamps wants to stick with that principle, um, you know, I, and, and he wants to then look at youth, then, yeah, I think, you know, you're looking at Kurt Zuma. Um, I think his move to Everton hopefully should play out for him pretty well. Um, I think you perhaps he, he may want to keep an eye out on on how um, Isidiot does at, at West Ham and and to hopefully avoid being accused of favouritism in any way. Now he's moved, but I, I'd be interested to see how Yoris Nyanyol, um you know, there were, there were, he did initially declare himself unavailable um, for for France and he was he was going to play for, um, I think, the Ivory Coast, I mm. think. Um, but he's now sort of reneged on that and, and he's now back in the French under-21 setup. He's got that move to Sevilla. Um, you know, he's going to be playing, hopefully, alongside someone like Simon Kier, who's obviously a very experienced, very good centre-back and Clement Longley obviously learned a lot from him uh, the last couple of seasons. So if, if Nyanyon manages to get into that severe side and, 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 and establish himself as a first-choice centre-back there and, and could go on to have, you know, even sort of half the success that Clement Longley has, then he really does force himself into a serious, being a serious candidate for that role. That's if Deschamps wants to carry on with the two left-footed, two right-footed centre-backs. If he doesn't, and he, he's willing to be a little bit flexible on that, then you'd have to think, um, you know, the likes of, of Laporte, who now seems to seems to be a first choice at, at Manchester City. You'd have to think that finally, um, you know, it would be it would be his time to make himself a you know get into that squad and make himself a permanent member of it. Um, but then, of course, it's going to be interesting to see how long they does it at Barcelona. Um, he may be forced to fight for a, a position against Umtiti. Um, I don't quite know how he he fits into that, how he fits into that Barcelona setup. Um, but I think I think yeah, I think it's going to be a case of what does Deschamps want to do? Does he want to stand by what he is, what the you know the plan that he has done for the the last few seasons, um, or you know is he willing to to bend his own rules? So um, there's there's certainly options there. You know, France are. Uh, are pretty blessed in that centre back department, um, and and you know nearly all of them now are playing top flight football and playing top flight top flight football regularly. Um, so it's 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 a nice it's a nice selection dilemma I think for for Deschamps to have. Yeah, you can't really grumble if you're in that scenario at least really. But the final thing I sort of want to mention on on the squad potentially evolving at least and uh, uh, I want to attest to you on this one Eric it was some interesting attacking options at least but is there any player that's currently playing uh, whether that's in obviously French football or around the globe that is a French um, potential international that would sort of force their way into this squad because of their qualities and, and bits is there anyone you're looking at at the moment that in the next year or so will will have the quality and the consistency to to force them way into the side even even with already established players in the squad um I, again I, I I think I have to keep coming back to Martin Terrier 
Uh, this is a player who can play as a striker. He has that a wiry physicality. He has good pace. He can play on either flank. He can, he can play a more creative role. Um, and I think if he's given the chance, even with the arrival of, of Dembele, to play regularly at Lyon, I think he's really going to turn a lot of heads this season. I, I think that perhaps he operated a little bit in the shadows last season uh, at Strasbourg, you know, not a club who have a lot of exposure, especially internationally. Uh, and then, you know, after struggling with injury and, and, and sort of his season was, was shut down early, uh, he didn't really feature that much in the second half. I, I don't think he necessarily got the exposure that he other, otherwise might have. But I think that given how consistently he's performed for the under 21s, uh, he deserves at least a look in. And I think, you know, should ideally look to be a part of, of that France side, you, you know, whether it's for, you know, if Thomas Lemar struggles to establish himself with Atletico, uh, I know he wasn't in great form at Monaco before departing, uh, or whether it's, it's Tova. I think that, again, not that I'm saying if you put these players side by side that Tovan or Lamar are better player than Terrier, but I do think that his versatility uh, and his willingness to work. I know we see, we see, we see Strasbourg. We saw Stra him last year with Strasbourg be a really integral part of a, of a high pressing system under Thierry Loray. And I, I think that that could be very valuable as well. Um, given, given those qualities that we do see in the likes of, of Griezmann, for example. There's always sort of a, a player that explodes onto the scene, Rich. And we've had it in, in lights of Dembele and and uh, um, Mbappe, obviously, in more recent years. And we might even have a few more if 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 a flare look precedes us. But is there anyone else you're eyeing? Maybe maybe one of those midfielders from Leon, maybe breaking into the team at all. Yeah, I think uh, I think the two you'd probably look at would be would be Husamar and and Tongyun Dembele. Neither have had the best of starts to the season but neither have Leon as a whole particularly um I think you know we we know what talents they both are um I think it's important now that they get you know a very solid second season under their belts um first season breakthrough can be a little easier it's it's making sure that you follow that up to prove that you're not some flash in the pan um they they both could very well this season force themselves into the reckoning I think what will be quite an interesting one will be to see how Moussa Dembélé does at, at Lyon. Um, you know, if he can if he can replicate the goal scoring form that he had for for Fulham and Celtic, and really hit the ground running in that that Lyon side. Um, you know, with Giroud, you know, nearing nearing the end. You know, it's I don't necessarily want to see it, but we've got to face facts that he is nearing the end, and and maybe at, at thirty one, maybe he doesn't quite have it in him to make it to the European Championships. Um, maybe it, by, by then, Deschamps maybe have, will have looked to have evolved that team um, so that it perhaps isn't isn't relying him as that central striker. Then maybe that then opens up the opportunity to someone like Moussa Dembele. Um, you know, I know Lacazette will be sort of licking his lips, thinking, OK, when, when Giroud goes, perhaps that's my time to, to finally shine, especially as he perhaps looks like he's forced his way back into the starting 11 at Arsenal under, under Emery. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if Moussa Dembele can really hit that ground running with Leon, um, I think, I think Deschamps would be um, quite keen. He's obviously, you know, Dembele's had, had good form for the, for the youth teams um, throughout. He's, he's scored goals at, at all levels for, for the French youth teams. So 
yeah, I think he's potentially one to to keep an eye on that that could be drafted in. I think throughout this um, or during the during the um, the duration of this this nation's league. Mm. And that's the topic, really. Perfect segue there, Rich, that I want to talk about is is the nation's league itself. There's been a lot of discussion in the last sort of couple of days, at least anyway, with everyone a little bit confused about the format, but I think it's a little bit more simpler than people are trying to make it out to be. Eric, it's, it's a good positive for the, especially a lot of the smaller nations being able to play each other and, and gain that experience. The benefit for France is facing bigger teams. Will that give them Excuse me. Do you think that in the long run, with this new nations league and the games that they are playing against, you know, two games against Germany, two games against Netherlands, and then hopefully should they qualify, then two game, well, poss- the potential at least of two big games against two more big sides as well. In those competitive scenarios, does that give them an even more greater advantage when they go to those major tournaments that they have those experiences against big teams in big games now? Absolutely. I, I think we saw tonight that, you know, even against a side like the Dutch, who are clearly in a rebuilding phase, that there is very little margin for error. And that and that it was the same situation against Germany. I, you know, both of these matches turned on single moments. Ariola's save on Thursday evening, uh, Giroud's goal tonight. But we also saw, you know, in, in that defensive lapse again from, from Mendy, that solidity is going to be a necessary thing and is going to have to be reinforced. I think we saw in the World Cup that Pavard and Hernandez took their places um, sort of as needs must, that Sidibe and and Mendy weren't quite fit. But I think that we also saw that Deschamps has realized the the value of having fullbacks who are more defensively oriented and how that can allow France to progress and, and create a solid base. And I know that I know that it's, it might be surprising for some folks listening to hear Mendy talked about in these terms, but I think that for all the gifts he's shown, I know in, in not a very long time at Manchester City, but also in two seasons ago at Monaco, that he and, well, Sidibe again, clearly, that it's that what it takes to win and progress in tournament football can't be left to chance with a player who's going to be derelict in his in his approach to the game. Well, we saw it during the tournament, uh, incredibly strong efforts from the likes of Matuidi, the likes of Pogba over this past summer uh, in working really hard to allow France to have success. And that sort of holistic team effort, players working for each other, that's going to be the great modicum of success. And that's what did allow France to have so much success this this summer. So I think that Consistently playing at a high level is going to keep that uh, value of positivity going because the players know and realize that there is a very little margin for error, which is the kind of mentality that one would want a team to have, uh, particularly as, as, they, as you head into later rounds uh, of, of a competition, be it the World Cup or be it the European Championships in two years' time. And that's the interesting question, at least on the other side of this coin, Rich, for the bigger teams, at least anyway. Um, the friendlies, while not necessarily ideal because they're not competitive and you want to try and blood that in the years, especially when you're maybe not well, hosting a tournament or something like that. But at the same time, without with a lack of friendlies, at least anyway, in this half of the year, um, does that 
worry you about in terms of experimentation the side because there is an expectation to win these kind of games that maybe it restricts Deschamps in, in trying new players and uh, and different ideas? Um, I think it does, but I think we also have to remember that Deschamps wasn't known for that anyway. You know, even before the this this tournament came into 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 play, um, you know, he he knows what system works best. He knows what players work best in that system. Um, you know, I think that was certainly some people's slight criticism of Deschamps was that maybe he's not the world's most flexible manager. Um, in terms of in terms of, of of changing things up, of of experimenting with with different players, different formations, as regularly as he might, considering the number of friendly games that France played. Um, but ultimately, it, I think the key thing for France is it does keep them competitive, and and with this with the French team, and maybe less so with this particular team, but as we've seen in the past. Keeping this team with the right mindset and keeping the national team in the right mindset, the players in the right mindset, is is probably one of the biggest hurdles you have to overcome. I think as French French team manager, so I think having having this tournament to keep the keep the players switched on, to to keep them competitive, um, you know, to to the, the, you know, as soon as the system doesn't you know, starts to fail, then then Deschamps will change, but. You know, as long as it continues to work for him and he continues to get the results, well, why change? He doesn't need to change. He's judged on the results. He's not. He's not necessarily judged on quality of performance. He's not judged on how many players and new players he he bloods into the team, or you know how many weird and wonderful formations he plays. He's judged on does he deliver those results. So you know, he's he's an experienced enough manager that knows that if something doesn't work for the team. He won't use it. He won't play in that formation. He won't play with those players. Um, so I can I can see the slight concern on that, but I think for me the fact that every everybody just keeps their wits about them, everybody just keeps that right side of being on edge. That that actually this is still a competitive fixture, and and you know what? If I don't perform in this game, my place in the squad could be in jeopardy. Whereas I think certainly we saw with friendlies that you know players. Did switch off because they thought, well, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, I'll 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 get you know I'll get in the squad and and you know perform when I need to. Well, you need to, I think, in every game of this tournament. So I think it's been a really positive start. We've seen from the teams that that coaches, it's not just France, but the teams that coaches have put out. You know, they're, they're taking this competition far more seriously than I I thought they were going to. Um, so I think you know ultimately UEFA have to be applauded. Uh, for trying something, I mean, whether it goes on to be a success or whether it goes to be on goes on to be a long term success, well, we you know we'll we'll judge that at the time. But you know, first weekend, first first um, you know, round of fixtures, and I think it's it's proven to be that immediate success. I've I've enjoyed seeing you know competitive games. It's not it's not necessarily those drab friendlies where teams can't be bothered or they're making ten changes at half time and it's. You just feel like, well, why is anybody here? You know, these these games matter, and it's it's good to see that that teams are taking it seriously. Well, that's the real positive so far in this tournament, isn't it? It's good to see teams have realised the value in it, really. But at the same time, putting the younger players or trying different things may be a little bit restricted. But you take the yin with the yang, really, and that's at least not too much of a problem for the French side. We're going to finish tonight with a little bit of Ligue 1 news and it's revolving 
Bordeaux. They have a new manager and um, potentially new owners, at least coming through the door with the American owners, seemingly getting their deal almost done. It's almost over the line from the looks of things. It's, it's on its way, at least. But let's focus on the actual managerial change at first, Eric. And it is Ricardo, the Brazilian, rejoining as well. He was sporting director at Santos most recently. It's the second spell for the 53-year-old, having taken the reins back in 2005 to 2007. We took them to a second-place finish in a Coupe de la Ligue title as well. Um, it's been a long while since we've seen him in these shores. Obviously, managed Monaco as well, but he's not really managed anyone in particular other than in Brazilian football for the last few years at least. Does it feel like a bit of a risky move given that um, he's obviously, that we mentioned it's been a, a while since he's been a, a permanent coach and also a while since he's been in European football as well? Yeah, I, huh, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I think that given the levels of talent that we've seen managers come up from Ligue 2 and, and, and have a level of success. I think we thought, saw with Thierry Loray, uh, with Strasbourg last year. We're seeing it with, we saw it with Christophe Pellissier. We saw it, we've seen it for several years now with Stéphane Moulin. I, I can't conceive that there's not a manager currently working in Ligue 2 that Bordeaux, again, given all the money that they've made this summer from that sale of Malcolm, couldn't reach into their pocket to bring in a ma manager like that. And we've seen that you know, just because a manager has failed at one point in league at league on comes back to league, it doesn't mean they doesn't mean that they're they're dead and buried. I think that we've seen, you know, we've seen Alan Casanova come in at Toulouse and and you know a team that I think you know many would have written off very quickly given the losses they had this off season, uh, and pl have them playing you know good good solid football, uh, playing on the front foot. And I I just think that. If Bordeaux felt this need to bring back this manager from from their past, you know, there's clearly an affinity that, that they have for him and that, that they think that's the right choice. But I think that someone who has a better knowledge of developing young players, someone who has a better record of understanding what Liga is in, in the contemporary sense makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I think Bordeaux have a very tricky season ahead. There's certainly a lot of exciting young talent there. Uh, Francois Camano looks to be continuing to improve. Uh, Samuel Kalou looks a, a very solid signing as well, as well as those 11th hour signings like likes of Cornelius as well. But I, I don't know. I, I feel that I feel that this is a, a potentially a huge misstep for Bordeaux. They've really not done very well in, in appointing managers. In, in the last few years, I think Gus Poyer had a lot of potential, but clearly the club couldn't couldn't work with him on a personal level, and that you know is is its own failing as well. I, sh I should mention, but I think we've seen Willie Sangal, we've seen Jocelyn Gorvenek, uh, Ellie Bop. I mean, there's been uh, sorry, not Ellie Bop, but, but there's been a number of, of managers uh, for Bordeaux in the recent past who just really haven't worked out. Um, I mean, really since that title winning side going back a decade now. Uh, they've sort of struggled for any any level of consistency, any level, any strong level of play. And I think that the dismissal of or the departure of Poye was certainly a disappointment for the board. But I think that they should have looked for a younger manager, someone operating in France with knowledge of the domestic league that could 
be sustainable. I know that's what they thought they had with Jocelyn Gorvinek, and it clearly didn't work out. But I think that a willingness to to allow a manager time and to see the squad develop would have been a better choice. And it's a convoluted one now as well, um, Rich, because obviously there has been uh, news about the American owners. I know you have a little bit more on it. What have they said about their prospective takeover and, and what may happen to the club in the near future? Well, they were, they were on um, telefoot this morning and they, 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 a couple of things they discussed. They confirmed that they'd spoken with Thierry Henry um, about taking over, um, which I then, it's like, well, what's the strategy on the manager appointment here? Because on the one hand, you've gone for someone who's got no first team coaching experience, um, you know, obviously has, has, has been with, um, with Martinez in the Belgium setup, but I mean, that's it. That's as far as his coaching experience has gone. And you will, you know, you were willing to consider taking a punt on him as his first, first team coach role. And then, you know, they, those talks break down and then all of a sudden you've appointed someone who's not had experience in the league for, I mean, we're getting on for 10 years, 2009, I think he left Monaco. Um, yeah, there might be an, you know, there might be a smallish group of, of Bordeaux fans who might think, oh yeah, you know, oh, Ricardo, you know, we remember, we remember fond times. He had two good seasons with Bordeaux and, 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 you know, helped lay the foundations that, that Blanc then, came in and, and then eventually took the team to, to the title. But there'll be far more far more Bordeaux fans scratching their head thinking, is this another missed opportunity to, to make a real positive appointment um, that, that under the new under the new regime can can really take this team forward? Um, so I think that's that, that that is slightly confusing on that front. Um, one of the other things that they did mention this morning was then this 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 supposed eighty million that they're going to be bringing in. Um, they were then quick to follow that up to say that, that that's not necessarily an eighty million transfer kitty. Um, you know that's that's very much not the case, and they're going to be taking a look across the entire infrastructure of the club. Obviously, they've got a nice nice brand new stadium, but they're going to look at, at training facilities. They're going to be looking at everything. So probably only a small portion of that eighty million will actually be assigned. For, for transfer funds come January. Um, but, you know, with that with that coming in, with that money coming in, new owners, fresh faces, it seemed there could have been a more positive appointment. Um, you know, they, they, it, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a long-term appointment. I think over the last few years, with the, the sort of failure of progressive or successive managers at Bordeaux, there's a real opportunity, I think, for someone with league and experience just to come in and just slightly steady the ship in that first season, season and a half, two seasons under the new owners. Well, they got their feet under the table. They could actually now see, right, we're in charge. Let's actually have a look at this setup. How's it going to work? What's our plans actually going forward now that we're here? During that period, then that sort of honeymoon period, there's an experienced manager who knows the division, who knows the players who can, you know, keep them competitive with a view then to two years' time, they can bring in their real, I suppose, sort of first-choice manager of choice. Um, you know, maybe in two years' time that, that could have been Henri. Who knows? But they then could have brought in that, that that manager who then looks to take that project on 
to the next step. So I think it's a slightly confusing thing. There's no doubting his experience. He's got huge experience. And yes, he has Lee Gunn experience, but that was Lee Gunn in a completely different era. Um, the Lee Gunn that we know now is, 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 as we know, far, far different from the Lee Gunn of, of 10, 12, 13 years ago. Um, when he was when he was last in France, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how he how he he can readapt to life back in Liga. It's a curious appointment. Um, I don't hold out much hope for for um, for Bordeaux reaching the heights that they reached last season. So that could be quite a damning thing for the, for the the new American owners that they they may have to face up to you know not qualifying for Europe. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be keeping a close eye on that one because it it, it strikes me as a a slightly unwise appointment and a, a perhaps an unnecessary appointment with it as well. It's gonna be interesting as always. It seems to be at Bordeaux at the moment, at least to see if that that move pays off for them because it, it's just as much of a risk as it is for something like Thierry Henry because he's been out for so long and, and obviously the past glories as well will come back to him but we, we've seen it with Casanova and others it's going to be an interesting one at least anyway uh, that's all that we have for this week a little bit of a shorter episode this week but we will be back with a preview show this upcoming Thursday my thanks to Eric uh, Rich and all of you listening at home and do tune in again next week for another one of our episodes Thank you for your evening and uh, a bientôt and goodbye.